Hi, this is Christian Kuhn of Urban Village Church in Chicago. Welcome back to my sermon podcast as we continue our sermon series here at UVC um, as we look at musicals. And um, I'll uh, share more about that in a second. Let me first read our passage for today. This is coming from the book of 2 Kings and starting at chapter 2. Uh, And I will read through verse 14. Now, when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way to Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, stay here for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The company of prophets who were in Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take your master away from you? And he said, Yes, I know. Keep silent. Elijah said to him, Elisha, stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. The company of prophets who were at Jericho drew near to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take your master away from you? And he answered, Yes, I know. Be silent. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. But he said, As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Fifty men of the company of prophets also went and stood at some distance from them, as they both were standing by the Jordan. Then Elijah took his mantle and rolled it up and struck the water. The water was parted to the one side and to the other until the two of them crossed on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me what I may do for you before I am taken from you. Elisha said, Please let me inherit a double share of your spirit. He responded, You have asked a hard thing. Yet if you see me as I am being taken from you, it will be granted you. If not, it will not. As they continued walking and talking, a chariot of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them. And Elijah ascended in a whirlwind into heaven. Elisha kept watching and crying out, Father, Father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. But when he could no longer see him, he grasped his own clothes and tore them in two pieces. He picked up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. He took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water, saying, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? When he had struck the water, the water was parted to the one side and to the other, and Elisha went over. May God's blessing be on the reading and living out of this word. A couple of weeks ago, I was at um, orientation for my daughter uh, at Michigan State, and so they had two different tracks for orientation. One was a track for uh, parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, guardians, And then the other track, of course, was for the students. And one of the presentations that they gave to us, uh, to the uh, parents and guardians, was around um, how do we help our students make the transition from high school to college. And so as part of the presentation, they showed six different text messages that we will most likely, according to the presenter, we will most likely receive at some point during our students' uh, time at college. And they were all pretty funny. And so they would show a text uh, and then they would ask everybody, all the parents and guardians, how would you respond to this text? So some examples were one text said, OMG, I hate my roommate. Mom, get me out of this room. And then a little crying emoji. 
another text said, um, WTH, sad emojis. I don't understand my professor. Another text said, gross, cafe food. And yet another text said, um, don't freak out, but dot, dot, dot. So they're all pretty, it was both a combination of funny and a sense of knowingness among parents and gardens saying, yeah, that might come up this year. And so we had to, we talked amongst ourselves about how would you respond to this text? So all of this reminded us that moving transitions are hard. Moving, so in this case, from high school to college is hard. Moving from high school to a job is one of life's biggest transitions. And the responsibilities that come along with those transitions, taking on more responsibilities, can be a little overwhelming. And it's tempting, sometimes not a bad way to engage in self-care, but it's tempting just to simply bury yourself in Netflix and ice cream and let the world pass you by. What does it mean to have responsibility and to begin or to keep making commitments in a person's life? A couple, three years ago at Urban Village, we did a sermon series on adulting. What does it mean to take on adult responsibilities? Well, that's what we'll explore in today's sermon as we continue our series called Faith on Stage, where we bring together a scripture passage and a musical to see what faith lessons we can take from both. Today, we are, of course, looking at the story of Elijah and Elisha, and also looking at the story of The Lion King, which is coming out uh, as a movie this weekend, but we'll be focusing on the musical, especially a part in the musical, too. So what are the different kinds of commitments that we make in our lives? How would you answer that question? You might think to yourself, well, if you're a young adult thinking about dating apps, certainly there's various kinds of commitment you make when you are on those apps. We make a commitment when we sign a lease for a condo or an apartment. Uh, We make a commitment when we go to the gym. Sometimes we're better at making or breaking those commitments. Uh, Church membership, of course, we talk about that and want people to think about the kind of commitment that people Uh, when people do that too. Well, let's take a look as we think about those kinds of commitments that we make in our lives. Let's take a look at the the musical that we're focusing on today, The Lion King. I would imagine that many of you have probably uh, at least seen the movie and maybe uh, the musical too. There's some differences between the two of them. But for those who have not seen it, it's that I'm reading, I'm paraphrasing here from the website broadway.com, which gives an overview of The Lion King. It's the story of a young lion prince living in an area called the African Pride Lands. There was a precocious little cub named Simba who was born into the royal family. And Simba spends his days exploring the grasslands while also idolizing his father, the king, Mufasa. But sometimes Simba, of course, youthfully shirks his responsibility that his position in life requires. But then an unthinkable tragedy happens, orchestrated by Simba's wicked uncle, Scar, and that takes his father's life. Simba flees the Pride Lands, leaving his loss loss and the life he knew behind. Eventually, Simba meets up with two friends, Pumbaa and Timon, and he starts a new life. But then the weight of responsibility and a desperate plea from the now ravaged Pride Lands come to the adult prince, and Simba has to take on a formidable enemy to fulfill his destiny to be king. Now, for those who've seen the movie, there's a scene in the movie, uh, and in the musical too, where Simba is hanging out with Pumbaa and Timon, 
And then he's confronted, meets up with, by accident, but perhaps it is fortuitous, meets up with his childhood friend Nala. And she challenges Simba to come back to the Pride Lands and regain his throne. Simba struggles with the guilt of thinking that he was the cause of his father's desk, death, uh, and perhaps he is enjoying his Hakuna Matata lifestyle a bit too much, but he has a decision to make. Will he recommit to his homeland or not? So, of course, a lot of the movies focused on uh, this decision that Simba will make. But I want to focus not on Simba here and the decision that he makes, but instead in the musical. There's a really beautiful song that Nala sings. And I want to focus on the commitment that Nala makes, not Simba here today. And we especially see this in the song Shadowland. I'm going to put a link on the Podbean page And there's a really beautiful, about a three-minute video that has the, I'm blanking on the name of the actress who sang this on Broadway, uh, but she sings Shadowlands. And then on this video, you can see the lyrics too. So I'm going to put a link and I would encourage you to go to that. But some of the lyrics point to the fall of Nala's home, the Pride Lands. And she sings, the leaves have fallen This shadowed land, this was our home. The river's dry, the ground has broken, so I must go, now I must go. And where the journey may lead me, let your prayers be my guide. I cannot stay here, my family, but I'll remember my pride. So again, A lot of the musical and movie focus on the decision that Simba will make, but here Nala makes a commitment, perhaps an even more powerful commitment. She knows something must be done because her land is broken. It is not the land that she knew, and she feels like she must do something to try to save it. And so she commits to a journey, and she doesn't know where it will lead her. She says, again, where the journey may lead me, let your prayers be my guide. I take that as to saying she doesn't really know where this will go, but she knows that her family, that her pride, her home will be with her no matter where she goes. And so she commits to going and not exactly sure what she will find or where it will lead her. What commitment she shows here. A commitment she shows to her people, but also a commitment to the journey of where she will go. We see another story here, of course, in the commitment in the passage that we read today from, from Kings. This is a story of transitions, too, from Elijah to his prophet, or to his protege, Elisha. Elijah and Elisha first meet a little bit earlier in 1 Kings 19. You may, may or may not know the story. Elisha is actually plowing. He's out in the fields. Some scholars wonder maybe Elisha's father was a wealthy landowner. And then the scripture tells us that Elijah passed by him and threw his mantle over Elisha. Clearly, a succession has been started from one prophet to the other. Elijah, in a way, is saying to Elijah, Elisha, follow in my footsteps. After saying goodbye to his family, Elisha follows Elijah and becomes his servant. Now, we don't know all of Elisha's internal emotions, but we have to imagine that this decision couldn't have been easy. Elisha has given up a lot 
to follow Elijah. As I noted earlier, some scholars believe that he may have been part of a, a wealthy landowner's family, and so he had a pretty good life ahead of him, if that's true. So now, Elisha is no doubt filled with all kinds of different emotions. Two things, especially in the passage that we read today, two things certainly are weighing on him. He has to think about life now without his mentor. We are told that Elijah is going to be taken up into the heavens. And so he's beginning to think about, he's learned so much from his mentor. What will that be like to live life without this one that he's been following for so long? And it doesn't help much that other prophets keep reminding him what's going to happen. (laughs) So he's struggling with life without Elijah. And he's also, maybe we can imagine, is struggling, what will it be like to follow in Elijah's footsteps? That's a big transition. Think about, have you ever had to follow in somebody's footsteps? What a challenge that can be. What was going through Elisha's mind through all of this? Was he tempted to go back home? I mean, again, life in the big farm, plenty of wealth, might not seem like a bad idea especially compared to the life of a prophet, which was not easy. Prophets often were criticized. They had to go out and take stands, risky stands on their own. Here, I'm quoting from an associate professor of biblical studies from Seattle Pacific University named Sarah Koenig. And here she talks about what Elisha might be going through. She says, she reminds us twice in the chapter, those other prophets ask Elisha, if he knows the information contained in the first verse, that the Lord will take away your master from over you today. Both times, Elisha answers, yes, I know, be still. The passage does not give any reason for Elisha's last clause. It could be that he doesn't want to talk about Elijah's departure. It could also be that Elisha is reluctant to face the reality known by the other prophets. So again, We don't know exactly Elisha's mindset, but we have to believe that it's a struggle. But in the end, the passage tells us, he says yes, knowing that it won't be easy. After all, he asks for a double share of Elijah's spirit, but he crosses over. The passage tells us again in verses 13 and 14, Elisha picked up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. Now, verse 14, he took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him, struck the water, saying, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? When he had struck the water, the water parted to the one side and the other, and Elisha went over. He says yes. He takes the mantle and crosses over to what will be before him. Elisha doesn't know just as Nala does not know, but they commit. They make the decision to commit to something. As challenging as that might be, as hard as that transition might bring them emotional or spiritual discomfort, they say yes to the unknown and they commit to what is before them. The temptation to run away from commitment is very real. We've talked sometimes at Urban Village that uh, there is so much about this ministry that I love, and I have loved working with 
young adults who are exploring new ways of being and they're in this really challenging transition in their lives as they're adulting, but also exploring what does it mean to be a person of faith. For those who've grown up in the church, it's a transition because now they're on their own. They have the decisions to make on their own. Will they be part of a faith community? Will they go to church regularly? And for those who didn't have much of a faith background, they're making this decision. Do I, do I actually become somebody who believes in something beyond myself? So over the times, as a staff, certainly we have used the, the word ghosting quite a bit. People commit and then they fall out of that commitment. And certainly I, I will confess there are times that frustrates me, but I also know it's part of being human, following with our commitments, no matter whether it's one of faith or something else, is not easy. It's why my first two Sundays at this new context that I'm in now at River Forest United Methodist as we explore what the possibilities might be with River Forest and Urban Village. And so it's a congregation now. They worship about 20, 25, 30 people or so. People mainly in their 70s, 80s, and 90s. And so it's a bit of a different uh, context than what I'm used to. Normally, the last 10 years, I've been with folks in their 20s and 30s. And so... What has struck me is the faithfulness, the commitments that people have made to this congregation, even though everything has been in decline. The church itself has really been through a lot of transitions. It's a a makeup of five different churches, churches that have merged over the years. When I ask people where they're from or what church they belong to, I have to also ask, were you part of the original River Forest or one of the other congregations that merged with them? Mergers are hard. And so, In 1973, Austin Methodist merged with River Forest. Other churches around, and these are suburbs now I'm talking about in the uh, western part of the Chicago area, Maywood and Melrose Park. And in 1993, all these other congregations merged with River Forest. So it's the makeup of, of these five different congregations. It would have been so easy to, to leave, and I'm sure some did. And we can't necessarily blame them that they weren't part and didn't want to be part of this new thing. But I'm so impressed with the commitment that those who have stayed at River Forest have made to this community of faith. And not only just to the community, but just to their own faith lives. The very first Sunday I was there, a woman came up to me and uh, said she immediately apologized. She said, I'm going to be gone for the next three Sundays. She and her husband are taking this wonderful trip to Alaska. And she came up and she felt bad that she was going to be missing the next three Sundays. And part of me thought, that's what I'm used to in the last 10 years. But she felt so bad that she was going to be missing the next few Sundays. The church administrator, a woman named Julie, said to me the other day when I, I saw her yesterday and I said, I'll see you on Sunday. And she stopped and said, the only reason you won't see me, she gives care to her husband who has some physical disabilities, is because she has to be with her husband or because there's a Bears game. She has season tickets. Other than those two things, she will be there on Sundays. So that might not seem like much, these kinds of commitments, but they mean a lot. They are the backbone of a community of faith. So what I am asking River Forest now, and what I'm asking for all of you who are listening, what is something in your own life that you can commit to? At River Forest, I'm asking them to commit to exploration, to commit to the journey. I've just got done reading a book called Canoeing the Mountains, this book about church leadership and the talks it uses the metaphor of the Lewis and Clark expedition in the early 19th century. And the really wonderful thing that the name that they gave them was the Corps of Discovery. This was a special unit of the United States Army. It formed the nucleus of the Lewis and Clark Expedition. 
And I love that phrase, the core of discovery. The core was told by President Jefferson to, to explore, look at plants, animal life, geography, to find out. We have this Louisiana, Louisiana purchase. What exactly did we get with this thing? Uh, and so I guess I'm asking, I'll be asking the folks at River Forest, but also to you too, as you're listening to this, to, to be a core of discovery. Can you commit to a journey of exploration, not knowing exactly where you're going, to follow in the footsteps of Nala, to follow in the footsteps of Elisha and say, I am committed to my faith life. I'm committed to what God is doing in my life and maybe in my community. I'm committed to seeing what's out there. And there will be moments where I'll be frustrated and wonder where is God in the midst of it, but I am committed to the journey. I think that's a call that God places on all of our hearts. And that's what faith is all about. To step out in the unknown and the mystery, knowing that God goes with us with a double share of spirit and that we'll be texting complaints and wondering if we made the right decision but trusting and hoping and believing that God is with us as we do. Amen. Thank you for listening. Once again, I'm grateful for your support with this particular podcast. As always, you can reach out to me, Christian at urbanvillagechurch.org or on my website, uh, christiancoon.com, and you can see my other podcast. And I put up a blog post about twice a month. And then, of course, also you can go to my website and subscribe to my email that I send out twice a month, uh, too. So, friends, until next week, may the peace of Christ be with you. Be thou my wisdom and thou my truth.